welcome to the podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm Joe Welter, and I'm here with musician Rich Spitzer. How you doing, hey, Rich? Hey, what up, what up, what up? It's funny, I've been in Greenpoint for 10 years. Uh-huh. This is, I guess, the first time you've ever been over. I'm, I'm amazed. It's such a great layout. Um, recently, you came out with two albums. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both very different from... Mm one another mm. and also they, they just feel like they came from two different places mm. and I think that to better understand those albums and and your musical style maybe we can go back quite a bit and talk to you about the beginning of uh, your interest in music oh okay does that work for you <laughs> sure man I'll talk about music anytime where did where did you grow up uh, grew up in Queens New York Queens. Yeah, Bayside, Queens. And we, did you grow up in a, like a musical family? Yes, actually. Um, it was a Orthodox-based uh, Jewish family, but it was also a musical via Cuba. So Interesting. Yeah, my mother was actually born in Cuba, and she uh, studied music there, and I uh, was a piano teacher, so... She was, she was just bursting with music, and it wasn't just uh, music around and all the musical things she would do. It was just like her personality. She was music. So, like, at what age did you find yourself being interested in wanting to play? Oh, in terms of me playing, was when I went to uh, was when I went to acting. They tried to get me into acting. Uh, acting camp actually yeah in Long Island um, and I realized I wasn't really like I wasn't I didn't feel like I was shining I didn't feel like I was putting my voice through and I wasn't p- really quite living up to my potential and I think because of that I became withdrawn and there was all these pianos lying around uh, in the camp and I would just start playing was this like what age was that um, this was like 12. Yeah, I mean, uh, my mom, <laughs> they tried to get me to do music as like a youngster. Uh, and it wouldn't work. I wouldn't, I would like hide in, under the bed when the Suzuki teacher would come. Um, I had to do it on my own, I guess. Yeah. And was there any type of music that you grew up with, like as a kid, mm-hmm. that influenced you? That's interesting, uh, because I remember as a maybe like a that 12 year old uh watching pbs and uh watching uh yanni like the the yanni live at the acropolis and um i don't know i I, maybe i haven't really evolved and i'm still just trying to be yanni from 1992 because uh yeah something about that mustache and the synthesizers and the acropolis it was orchestral and it was deep but honestly, I always loved music. Even even in Jewish camp, um, I was listening to Depeche Mode. Actually, my brother, <laughs> who's a rabbi, uh, he he used to listen somehow. I guess because he's much older than me. He was oh, sixteen okay. years older, so he is sixteen years older. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, did, so did yeah. did he pass down some yeah. some music that you kind of dug into? New Order. And uh, that was like one major thing. New Order. He used to listen to like Blue Monday. Um, when I was like 
10, you know, and that, that, that definitely used to like throw the football around and like Blue Monday was playing on the record player in my basement. I guess that really had an impact. Were you influenced at all, like um, like MTV or the earlier days of music video, or did that is that something that may have come later? Oh, absolutely. Also, the radio. Um, I remember driving to trips to see my uh, Tia in uh, New Jersey, and uh, it's just always I remember listening to Power ninety five. It was always the the eighties pop songs, always playing. And uh, seeing the skyline of, of Manhattan in the car, in the front seat, rocking the radio. Like the song with the Jefferson Airplane or Starship, whatever they were called, uh, We Built This City on Rock and Roll. Like I still have that vivid, mi- uh, vivid vision of hearing that and looking at the city. I don't know. When you're like six, that does something to you, you know? I, I also have another one with um, the beginning of the Tears for Fears song. Uh, was it Shout? Yeah, Shout has all these like industrial, in the beginning, it's got this like industrial drum sound. Um, and I always remember, okay, this, this one image of just going up the 59th Street Bridge, which I, I don't know if that's called that anymore. Now it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's like the Ed Koch 59th Street the Ed, Bridge. <laughs> the Rodney Dangerfield Bridge, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But yeah, I just remember going, driving up that bridge, hearing those like metallic drum sounds, mm-hmm. and then looking in my peripheral and seeing the like you know the very ancient industrial design of the bridge the, the iron it's funny yeah. how some of those moments kind of stick with you yeah. they, you know they don't mean anything to anyone else and you no don't really one. know what they mean but they're important somehow yeah why do i still remember it was like 1985 or yeah. i still remember that it's for it was like two seconds in 1985 that never left me yeah i, I mean when you're a kid growing up I mean, sometimes those moments just hit you and, and they're ingrained in, yep. in your brain. There's nothing you can do about it. And sometimes yeah. they're great. So, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful that, that most of those are, are decent, decent memories. Because yeah. I'm sure certain people have like the opposite, which is kind of sorry to get dark or, no. or anything. But I'm just grateful. I'm, you know, that, I feel that's why I do music because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just thankful. So you grew up and you're in high school and what made like what schools were you looking to go to uh when you were getting ready to graduate and why did you pick the college you did <laughs> sweeney purchase yeah make some noise <laughs> um music well I, I wanted to go into music i was doing it heavily in uh, high school um but i tried i tried to get into like the fancy schmancy ones but i, I was self-taught and i didn't know how to read music and they would have me come in like Manhattan School of Music and sit at the piano and I'd play one of my like little you know pieces that's like kind of classical-ish but they then they'd put something on for me to read and I'd like I don't I don't know what that is and then it'd be like next you know but SUNY Purchase didn't do it like that they were like let's see what you have you know and let's take you for how you are because we're we're looking for innovators music mm-hmm. innovators and I mean that was I'm I still can't get over that. I still still trying to believe that I'm actually in a <laughs> So were, were you like a studio comp or were you mm-hmm. a, a straight up music major and studio specific? composition, yeah. Okay. Um part of me wishes I did music composition, like classical composition, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the chops for it at the time. Okay. Still really still 
every I work on it all the time. It, I always feel it's just it's like my alter ego that I wish I could be. You know, like Yanni. I wish yeah. I could be Yanni. But. So, so you're in school. Um, I met you probably a bunch of times at first half of school. We didn't really know each other that well, but mm-hmm. we had some. We hung out in the same circles yeah. here and there, and I was actually um, Steve Bryant's next door neighbor. Yeah. He was the first guy I met Ooh. at school, and um, crew the dynamic. Yeah, and I remember one time I went to it was probably maybe my junior year. I knew a lot of dancers, and I saw you guys play like a, a gig at the end of a dance routine. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um, so it was just you two, and you were playing some small. Uh-huh. Um, synth that was probably like a micron or something and um, I just remember being like whoa these guys I know Steve I've seen you around <laughs> I'm like this is some awesome music and the the sound that's coming out of this tiny thing that you're playing huh. was amazing <sighs> man I, like we were so lucky like the collaborations that would happen at that school like that that's what was my favorite part was the people that I worked with and or even if I didn't work with them the people that I watched and was mm. inspired by mm. yeah I mean you not only are you doing something and you're bringing people to whatever you're doing right um, you get dragged to everything too and you get to witness a lot of different types of art creativity and we're kind of lucky to have been there yeah so I remember not soon after that um you uh, were in a, a band called Flight Crew with Steve. Yeah. Who else was in that in that collective? Dan Simon, we had GC. I mean, we had Brandon. Uh, we were we. We had you know guest MCs come up. Sebastian, Face Future. I mean, we were just a crew, you know, that hung out. We were like a group of people that also share the same you know similar musical interests, and but like slightly different. Everybody came from a slightly different place, but we were able to create a music that combined everything. It was based around, I would say, drum and bass, like live drum and bass uh, at the time. But, you know, there's elements of jazz fusion and lots of hip-hop elements. And it evolved a little bit around the turn of the century. (laughs) Uh, Because I I think uh, there was undercurrents of, like, a new wave rehashing a lot of that started maybe early 2000s you yeah. started seeing some of that pop back up yeah it's so weird because I remember in the 90s as being like you know into rave music which is not that different than new wave mm-hmm. in a way but I just remember thinking how scary new wave was when I was like 17 or 16 I was like new wave like the eyeshadow and the like the dark costumes like the whole thing frightened me and then like four years later I'm like playing a synthesizer arpeggio and I'm like you know, I am the synthesizer maker. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Fads are interesting. Yeah. So you, when you recorded with those guys, I think I, I heard a few different demos that were floating around campus. Mm. And 
it sounded like probably the later ones that I heard really kind of stretched the style of music um, where maybe the earlier ones were definitely more drum and bass uh-huh. where, where the later ones I, right. I definitely felt more um, a little more jazz in there a little more funk yeah um, that's how I always wind up doing things mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if it was my influence or if it was also probably you know everybody else's it just seems like once once I record a project that sounds like something I automatically want to start doing something I don't, maybe it's my ADD because I, I definitely have have that going on yeah I think that's kind of normal I mean why repeat yeah but I mean it's, it's, it's interesting because some people like you know bands like Slayer mm-hmm. you know people like the Chemical Brothers um, you know, they just do the same thing. Oh, they hammer it out for the entire career, mm-hmm. and like those people are so successful. Well, I mean, it all comes down to: are you um, are you comfortable branching out? Maybe, maybe your bread and butter is staying within the box, huh. and you're successful that way. Maybe you try to branch out, doesn't work. You go back, and you stay there. But I think that being able to branch out and and evolve is kind of natural. Yeah, like what if it's, I mean, I, I think of music as just like life, it's a journey, you know, like a conversation, a relationship, a lifespan is a song, it's a music, you know, so what if I am just staying inside the box, it's just, what if my box, <laughs> what if I got a really big box, <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. you know, I yeah, some I feel like I'm always trying to get back to where I started, but somehow when I follow that path, it's always taking me somewhere else. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it's hard really. to describe being creative. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I remember traveling in Italy, 2002, the study abroad program, and I think a couple guys had another CD that you had, and they they're playing it, and it was I guess a Johnny Five CD. Uh-oh. And it was the first, I guess you had maybe two. I think it was the first one. I had like four songs on it. Um, and we're listening to it in Italy with, with people out in the street. And we're like, this is really cool. And uh, and then they were like, oh, yeah, you know, it was Rich. And I'm like, I had no idea that he played this style. Like, I didn't even know you played guitar. And then you ended up, you ended up playing uh, with those guys for a while. Yeah, it just kind of started with the guitar. Um, I, w- I was always a keyboard guy and like a super nerdy type, you know, um, producer type composer mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Uh, but then, you know, you get certain like love interests, you know, and then suddenly like, you know, the guitar like seems very romantic and it seems like a way to like, I don't know. Um, serenade it's my <laughs> so I kind of got into that uh, <laughs> uh, humbly enough but not not necessarily like it was working but that's how I got <laughs> got into it and uh, I guess I never really stopped I never really let go of that because I don't know I feel like the guitar 
is a good way to voice yourself lyrically. I don't know why. Maybe because you hold it on your actual body. You hold it like on your chest. It feels like it's kind of part of you. When I, when I play piano, it's, it's like a science experiment into like the, you know, like some other universe, you know? Um, so I, I got into, sorry, I'm straying. That's fine. I got into, I got into guitar. Um, also, I have friends that I grew up with and I played in like, you know, punk bands with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> and Queens. And uh, I, I used to play bass. So that gave okay. me kind of like some, you know, preliminary. So you're pretty well-rounded in, in playing different types of instruments. I mean, guitar, yeah. bass keyboard anything else drums i had i had drums in the basement in bayside Mm -hmm. and and what got me into drums was jungle like drum and bass because the beats it was Mm -hmm. like craziest beats in the 90s they could hear yeah it was like funky and complicated um and i was lucky enough to have a basement so and that's where i used to jam with my bands and Mm -hmm. everything um we had a we had a punk band called onanism and uh, we were actually banned. We, we played a show at CBGB's. <laughs> okay. And we got thrown out and banned. Yeah. Wait, so how? Why? Um, because we were like, what, six, 17 or 18, and we were underage, and we brought in, we brought in alcohol. And then we, <laughs> uh, the lead singer, uh, God bless his soul, uh, Azala, uh, he. He had a hat, one of those like uh, beer hats, okay. and he was like squirting beer at the crowd. And then he also had an enema that was stuffed with beer and squirting, squirting it at the crowd. And we we had songs about like enemas and beer and all kinds of vulgar stuff. That's not. We tried to regroup actually for the you know for the fun of it, but we realized lyrically our songs were so uh, offensive that we couldn't even perform them now. So did you play many shows with that band? Oh, or? yeah. We played a bunch of shows. Was it more like uh, in Queens or Manhattan? Queens and Manhattan. I mean, we did a lot of Queens. But um, but me and Az, the singer, we used to, like, you know, hang out and trade off guitar songs, you know. And I think I never kind of let go of that. So I think what I'm doing now uh, with my solo stuff is very uh, kind of based off of that, just playing simple songs, three three chords, you know, and just uh, writing melodies and choruses, you know? Simple as that. Before you were done playing with the Johnny Five guys, um, I used to come out to your shows. Your your demo is a big hit out on Long Island. I always used to bring friends with me, and it right. was always like a fun city trip. Hey, we're going to go see a cool show. And uh, that's how, like, a lot of us actually got to know Manhattan. Growing up on Long Island... You go yeah. into Manhattan, you don't really know where you're going. You don't know the subways, but it was always like, all right, here's the map. we got to get to this show, <laughs> and it's going to be fun, and we'll probably get lost. But, <laughs> but we'll get there. And uh, and this went yeah. on for a year or two, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But it, yeah. not so soon after that, you know, you guys stopped playing together. Oh, uh, right? yeah. We had a falling out because uh, there was this guy who uh, was a very respected uh, designer. He designed, like, the clothing for many 70s disco artists and some very well-known artists. I don't want to, like, say 
who he is or what artists he worked with, but he was pretty well known in terms of developing uh, costume design for 70s artists, right, from in the early 80s. So he tried to put us under his wing and like, he was like, uh, I want you guys to be called a different name. I'm going to dress you guys up in these like, you know, shiny outfits and, and like, I don't know, it just seemed weird to me and it caused a divide because certain people were like, whoa, this guy's, you know, super successful. But uh, I think it turned out he was just trying to like bang uh, somebody or one or maybe all of us. You know, I think he was trying to <laughs> just trying to bang us. Um, but you know what? I, I'm I still I wouldn't change a thing. I'm happy mm. that happened. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that guy trying to bang us. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, things happen. And yeah, uh, I'm still friends with everybody, or yeah. at least most people. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. I think the the drummer might have left the country. I remember I got a an email from you one day randomly it was like hey um here's a new song i'm doing something a little different or whatever and it was uh became a song that was on uh the nightclub oh shit uh i guess ep and i listened to it and and when i used to go to work i was it would just be me with my headphones on doing you know autocad work all day so all i would be doing is just taking in music so it was like oh i gotta check this out this has got to be cool you know Uh. i like some of the other stuff and i felt like it was such a a giant leap forward soon after that you're like i don't know you had a show and we came out me and my buddies and passed out your demo to us and we listened to that constantly it was great because we all used to go like go away skiing uh-huh. And we'd always put that demo on the, on oh, our skiing so. mix, and it's the best skiing <laughs> no, really? music. I didn't yeah, know man. that. Best skiing music. I wish I knew that. I could have like pushed it towards the skiing demographic. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe my music is meant for skiers. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Going to a couple of your shows and, and you had a certain setup and um, then you um, were telling me oh, I'm recording a new album and it was going to be released in Japan uh, and that was your follow up to yeah that, right so how how did that how did that happen uh, it's another one of those luck situations where I was associated and I had a uh, family connection to somebody that knew somebody that was a very active musician in Japan Mm -hmm. Uh, Shigeo Shigeo JD he's uh, he's he's actually like a legend uh, in the Japanese hip-hop community and he heard what I was doing and he's like I want to I want to put that out (laughs) I was like what that's great I was like you gotta be kidding me um so he he actually wound up having a big uh, impact on everything I do, even to this day. Mm-hmm. Everything I write, or I'm always thinking about my experience in Japan, um, collaborating, and I still can't even I still can't even take it all in. It's just mm-hmm. like I mean, I did shows out there. Did you? Um, so you did your recording out there as well, uh, or was I, it kind of a mix? I I always do my own recording from my stuff, like in my bedroom. 
uh, I did do recording there, but for other projects, for stuff that like Shigeo was working on, or um, DJ Sodiyama, like he he's like one of his friends. He's like this super techno DJ. I wound up recording like vocals for some song that became like this like you know Ibiza track. I just was talking just like this, like on a podcast. And I don't know. He chopped made, it up. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was crazy out there. Yeah. I remember I wanted that CD, and then I ordered it through Japanese Amazon. But I was hoping that I Japan Amazon, hoping I um, I I translated correctly. Did you get it? I did. Oh, I got it in like five days. What? Yeah, I was like, wow, it showed up. <laughs> Had no idea. Damn. I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it a shot. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you came out with a um. A third album under that name. A third uh, record, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mytronic. That was... I, I honestly consider, consider that to be my first real album because I think the album that I did for Sh- with Shigio, I don't know what it was. I think I was over my head. It was... I, the whole thing was... I felt like I was in over my head and... I wasn't really in, like, my place. Like, a, a lot of my production stuff is all about me just being comfortable and spending time and finishing it. Um, so I think with my Tronic, I was finally able to finish a body of work that I was just, I was like, wow, there's nothing I want to change here. It's done. From the beginning of, of that project, from the, the original nightclub demo to Mytronic, did technology change a bit that changed the way that you recorded? Because, yeah. I mean, when we, you know, when we were in college, I mean, digital was kind of, digital across the board was new, and it was becoming more and more uh-huh. um, of a thing, and programs were getting faster and, and more capable of, of being able to record things. So how did that affect uh, that last album that you made? Yeah, well, um, I think with Mytronic, I started using Logic. Okay. And Ableton, Ableton and Logic, that's what I used. Ableton and Logic. So those are the, those are the two, uh, uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, DAWs that I was using. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually interesting because, yeah, I couldn't have done any of this stuff previously because I was in all these bands that you were talking about. Yeah. And all the bands broke up. So they broke up at the time when I had all the software available for me to use. So it was like the perfect timing for me to start creating on my own. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I think uh, it was Logic and, and Ableton, the invention of, of that technology is what made that possible. I mean, I couldn't have done the, those records. I was using Cubase for the first Nightclub EP. Okay. Yeah, but in a way, in a way that was kind of raw. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes when you don't know anything... But you, but, can, you can kind of experiment and figure it out, do whatever you want in a certain way. I yeah. I th- there's, some, there's a thrill about... You don't really naive. know your limitations. Yeah. And and if you're enjoying yourself while you're doing it, and you don't know the rules, mm-hmm. I mean it's a perfect, it's a perfect setup for just, for, a good experience. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, 
it's after that once you start learning it's just overthinking you know if you don't know anything you can't overthink so maybe that's why I like to switch styles so I could keep that uh, not knowing what's going on spirit alive <laughs> it's a little more organic when you don't have to think about it too I mean yeah you're like where am I you know where is this place and you're kind of experimenting and it's all kind of exciting and there's no guidelines or rules. I, I think once I get initiated in, in like a software or a genre or anything, you know, you start overthinking. So little, little, Star, little Star Dweller was um, basically me going through a uh, psychedelic <laughs> uh, period of my life where... I was very much into uh, astronomy and space, and uh, I used to go out and go uh, stargazing mm. every other night in in my local park and scare my uh, neighbors. <laughs> I got like a telescope, and uh, I, yeah, I was trying to channel some kind of like intergalactic, uh, like fictional character into doing remixes for like hipster rappers and okay. stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. I was a little out there. But, uh, yeah, there was, like, the whole, like, health goth thing going on. And, um, I don't know, Williamsburg and Brooklyn. The, the fun thing about living here is that the style of what's happening is always going to be changing. So you just have to sit there and, and it's up to you to decide if you want to work with it or in, innovate it or, or drop out and... I mean, it's a great neighborhood to be a musician because, especially years ago, because there were so many places to play. I mean, some a lot of our favorite places to go see shows have closed, but other ones have popped up. Yeah, and yeah, you, you see that change. But yeah. it's just a great place to be able to be an artist. Yeah, I hope it always stays that way. We'll see. It's changing quickly, though. Yeah, I guess different different generations are changing how much they need to be outside and how much they could just do what they do inside I think because a lot of things are internet based now so you don't even really have to leave yeah but you 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 miss life if you're sitting in the house I mean yeah. interaction going to a show is yeah. as much fun as you can have I think and that's the know. beauty that's the beauty of New York you can't if you leave for like five minutes you're gonna see like producer cats mm -hmm. you know like you're gonna see artists and weird fashion people you're gonna see them just going to the store so you're gonna feel like you're in, in. it's just uh, New York City is so compressed you can't mm -hmm. avoid it yeah. even, even if you just leave your house for, for like five minutes did anything you did on Little Star Dweller end up kind of transitioning into the love skills or is yeah. that is that a totally different yes. thing it seemed kind of seamless that's why i kind of didn't it, remember it i think it was the witch house phenomenon and the the witch house and then like alt r&b kind of had some kind of continuum where because i grew up on like 90s r&b so r&b is is just as much you know part of me as anything else um, as indie rock or whatever but I think around that time yeah it was like there was like the witch house old R&B thing so people were were doing this like electronic 
like dark electronic stuff that was somehow derivative of like of like classic R nineties R and B hip hop or something mm-hmm. like that. And that all seemed so appetizing to me. I was like there's so much room for creating. You could be ambient, you could write catchy things, uh, you could do production, which is what my hands were you know, were getting in. Uh, it could be punky, it could be poppy it was so much it was so much so i think love skills was the culmination of that i was like you know let's put everything that i've been working towards a like a live act or like a you know just like a you know just it's like a compressed version of everything that i was listening to everything that every, everything i've done up until that point but but at the same time it was kind of geared towards pop radio or like maybe it's college radio more mm-hmm. so really you know? I know in the first uh, Love Skills album you had one track that I guess I had heard years before um, that you re-recorded and, and oh. put on there where, where it was like a pleasant surprise towards the end of the album which I guess is back to flight crew days yeah <laughs> well, what what made you think about you doing love. that yes I think it's still my best song I mean <sighs> yeah I don't know I, I wrote it in maybe 2001 or something mm-hmm. and I don't know. I guess it never popped off. It was always a very well received song, mm-hmm. and it 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 had all those elements in it. It had the R and B elements. It was, it was like me as a songwriter because it had everything that I was in, influenced by, but internalized to just be me. And I'll never let go of that because I'm like I use that song as like a uh, compass, you know, to myself to say, look, you could do your own thing that's influenced by other people. So I, I really was uh, compelled to put it in that project because it was like kind of keeping me grounded. Was, you, know, um, you know, be influenced by everything around you, but also be yourself. And like that's, that's kind of like the, uh, I guess my motto. I think you can hear that in that album though. So you came out with a, um, another uh, Love Skills album. And, and the, so the first one was six songs I think the second one was also six songs what what made you put that group of songs on the album meaning like mm. just it, just doing a six song album versus a 10 12 a lot of that was um, you know kind of a collaborative effort with a record label okay uh, uh, no shame they were very much involved with like the production mm-hmm. of the final product so they were very particular about you know how long they wanted to be what songs were selected and so i kind of looked at that element the packaging of it as like a collaboration interesting yeah so i guess that takes you to present day here i am there you are so you have two albums you have the new love skills album hush mm-hmm. hush yeah and you have your self-titled rich spitzer album so which which album, I guess, did you start recording first? Because they both came out around the same time. Definitely Hush. Um, Hush was the aftermath of working <laughs> uh, with uh, the record label and 
uh, for Love Skills. That was ap- like the whole album is about the music industry in, in a mm-hmm. weird way, or because that album is twice as long as the other ones. Yeah, and is that because you were more in control? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of those songs like couldn't even they. I don't think that label would have even put them out. Really. Mm-hmm. I had to do it on my own. Did you get dis- like distribution through another label, or was everything? Um, uh, Valigetta, yeah, own? it's a uh, an Italian label, mm-hmm. so they put it out. And uh, I don't know, this label is very intriguing to me. I mean, they they have all these like Italian indie pop artists, and then me. I don't, I don't know how I fit on there, but it's just it's. I think some of uh, some of my music is like not. <sighs> It's weird. It's so personal sometimes. It's so personal that it's from another place, you know. So so if it's from another place, maybe it should come out in another country. You know, that makes sense. Like, I had the nightclub stuff come out in Japan before it came out here. You know, I just... I'm, de- I'm kind of detached, in case you didn't notice. So. <laughs> Did you finish recording that album before you started the self-titled album? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you you did um, kind of like a GoFundMe type of thing. Yeah. So how did that start? For the Richard Spitzer album. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Strasser, was very supportive of uh, what I've been working on. These like very simple guitar songs, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, together we kind of talked about what I was doing in. It really compelled me to go through with this and it's weird it's I've always had this whole persona thing and like you know look cool and how do you impress the, whatever's trendy this was like completely uh, opposite to that this was like this is just me in a room singing songs uh, with nothing with no production like zero production value and you know just putting it out there to the world basically via uh, social media so that was like the whole kind of concept it's interesting to see the contrast of of both of those albums that came out because they're (laughs) so different yeah I think it's a reaction Uh, it's my own reaction to myself it's kind of like a Mark uh, (laughs) Hegelian or Marx uh, Marxist uh, dialectical approach to my life it's just it's just you know, uh, if you do one thing, you do the other thing in response, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like this is a response to what I've been doing previous. I, I feel like everything I've done has been in response to what I did previously, which kind of harks back to like not being able to stay in the same place for too long. I think I, I'm really searching to stay in the same place for too long. That's what I want. But I guess I haven't really found like the you know the pocket I haven't found the like the channel which is kind of my story but like if you look at it that's the that's the channel (laughs) so yeah are you playing any shows anytime soon well I've been playing shows uh, with a collective called the boom click which is comprised of uh, the drummer that that goes back to the beginning of the story Uh, you know crew Jones crew crew the dynamic Steve uh and we've been doing like uh, we're playing synth, and we've been doing like kind of jazz influenced electronic 
jams, jam bands with like rappers and guitarists. It's like a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my own love skills and uh, my own the Richard Spitzer album stuff, I don't have any shows lined up right now because of this. My concept is I want there to be, you know, enough demand for a show. Like that's I mean maybe I'm kind of crazy, but I'm putting this stuff out there on social media and I feel like it's it's kind of up to the masses. Like if they want me to perform, if they want me to put it down, like I'll do it, but I'm kind of like waiting for the right time. Like I just I don't want to force it because yeah. I think as a New Yorker, you know, you you force so much all day, every day, every week, every month, every year, mm-hmm. just to survive. And I, for some reason, I want to keep that naive hope that this could be something special. And I don't want to force it. I want it to come natural. So I'm kind of waiting for the next evolution in what I'm doing to to propel it. Where could people find your music? Um, well, you could go on uh, Instagram. Uh, it's uh, Richard Spitzer dot cares, so it's at Richard Spitzer dot cares. That's my Instagram. That's the same for Facebook. It's Richard Spitzer dot cares, and then um, if you want to hear the uh, Love Skills records, you can go to uh, La Valigetta. So it's Lavalligetta dot com. That's uh, L A and then V A L I G. ETTA.com. It's in Italy. They'll hook you up with some good food, some good music, some indie rocks, some dances. Joe, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, Rich. Thanks so much. All right. Take care.